Here's everything you might have missed in She-Hulk Episode 8. Welcome back, you Marvel maniacs, to our weekly breakdown of She-Hulk. The penultimate episode of Season 1 gave us what we've all been truly waiting for. Leapfrog. And some other guy, Gold Demon or something. We're going to break down all the Easter eggs and references that you might have missed in just a moment. But to do so, we have to spoil the latest episode of She-Hulk. So if you haven't seen it yet, leave now before you get really angry. See you in court! Goodbye, tragedy. Okay, let's get into it, shall we? The eighth episode of the season, Rip It and Ribbit, starts out as a lighter-hearted affair, but takes a dark turn by episode's end. The episode begins with the ill-fated attempt at vigilante justice by Eugene Patilio, a.k.a. Leapfrog. Holloway explains that Eugene's father is a big client of theirs. In the comics, he never struck it big enough to retain such an expensive firm. A failed inventor turned failed supervillain, Leapfrog first appeared in 1966's Daredevil number 25, so it's fitting that this is the episode Matt Murdock finally arrives in. Hey, sorry I'm late. No problem. In the comics, his son Eugene tried to reclaim his father's legacy for good by becoming the superhero Frogman, first appearing in 1982's Marvel Team-Up number 121 alongside Spider-Man. Here, he is a grade-A goober who doesn't understand how the legal system works. I deserve justice and compensation for all of my pain and mental anguish and stuff. Leapfrog is recounting his costume exploits to She-Hulk in her office at GLK and H. His attempts to stop a robbery went poorly, leading to his suit catching fire and him sustaining third-degree burns. The store being robbed is Monahan's Wholesale, named for She-Hulk supervising art director Drew Monahan. Eugene wants to sue Luke Jacobson, the superhero tailor who made Jen's suits as well, for faulty product design. If you were paying close attention, you can actually spot Eugene leaving with his leapfrog suit as Jen walks in back in episode 5. Not only does Jen wind up making an enemy of Luke when she asks him to settle with her client, but it turns out Luke has a really good lawyer, Matt Murdock. Who's this ass? The biggest revelation during the case isn't that Matt can smell the jet fuel in Eugene's boots with his enhanced daredevil senses. Rather, it's the Sokovia Accords have been repealed. The Sokovia Accords were enacted after the Avengers attempted to stop a terrorist attack by crossbones in Lagos, and it went sideways in Captain America's Civil War. These Accords, named for the devastation wrought on Sokovia by the Avengers' battle with Ultron in Avengers Age of Ultron, essentially forced superheroes to register with the government or face legal recourse. They are also what ultimately led to the Civil War between Team Cap and Team Iron Man. As for why they were repealed? Who knows? Maybe everyone is thinking a bit more clearly after the blip. After Eugene's case is dismissed, Matt sends Jen a thematically appropriate drink at legal ease. An apple teeny? Cute. Mind if I join you? Matt admits that Luke has made him a few suits. This makes us wonder which of his costumes he'll be wearing in the upcoming Daredevil Born Again series. Classic red, his ketchup and mustard comic look, or maybe his black and red look from the comics. Only time will tell. Well, it is very daring to use ketchup and mustard as your color scheme. Unfortunately for Jen, her fourth wall break about the sexual tension between them is broken by their jobs calling them away. The creepy She-Hulk fetishist Todd calls Jen to a restaurant under the auspices of needing legal counsel, but really he just tries to hit on her. Badly, too. He mentions that he bought a Wakandan war spear at auction, presumably the kind made of pure vibranium used by the Dora Milaje. Considering how high the price of vibranium was in Age of Ultron, this could either be a fake or maybe just sold by people who don't know its true worth. A milli. <laughs> it's a million. Given that Wakanda wants it back, it's probably stolen and very real. 
Whether Todd bought it because he's trying to flex his wealth, or he gave the vibranium to Hulk King and Intelligentsia to make a vibranium needle remains to be seen. But a weapon like that could definitely be a threat to Jen in the wrong hands. More troubling is Todd's claim that he studied abroad in Wakanda, and when he hits the Wakanda Forever salute, Wakanda Forever! Oh, I, I, that makes me uncomfortable. When Jen gets a frantic call from Eugene, she dons her super suit for the first time to come to his rescue. He is being attacked by Daredevil in his classic red and yellow suit. As we've mentioned previously, this is the costume old Hornhead wore in his very first appearance back in 1964's Daredevil No. 1. During She-Hulk and Daredevil's fight, you can spot a billboard for Rogers the Musical in the background. It looks like this classic piece of musical theater is leaving Broadway behind and coming to L.A. for a nationwide tour. Probably at the Pantages. That's an L.A. reference. Jen has zero idea who Daredevil is, though, which feels like a fun meta joke about how, despite running for several seasons, Daredevil wasn't exactly an official part of the MCU until Spider-Man No Way Home. When Matt indignantly explains that he's Daredevil, we can hear a musical sting for the Daredevil Netflix series theme. The action then shifts to Leapfrog's very subtle base, the Lilypad, located in a building owned by his father based on the Patilio sign out front. There's also a QR code on a telephone pole outside, leading to a free copy of 2014's She-Hulk No. 9, the very first issue featuring She-Hulk going up against Matt Murdock in court. Inside, Eugene is dictating his designs for his next costume to the kidnapped Luke. I don't know who told you that you could pull off this color, but you should go back to them and shoot them. There are comic book images of Leapfrog and Frogman on the mannequin, and Eugene mentions that he wants a fancy British AI, which is a fun nod to Jarvis. When Jen and Matt have a flirty moment on the rooftop, the lighting is pitch perfect. Jen is bathed in green light for She-Hulk, while Matt is in a red glow of the neon sign of the lily pad. What follows is another callback to the best part of every Daredevil season, a good old-fashioned hallway fight. Seriously, the Marvel Netflix shows had so many of these, I half expected Sigourney Weaver to play a sentient hallway in Defenders. Also, why do the goons here use crossbows? I have so many questions, and, and I do not want any answers. Anyway, inside Leapfrog's lair, you can spot a few more silly details. There's a knockoff of the bat signal with Leapfrog's logo in the middle, and a pair of arcade machines, a vintage Frogger unit, and a custom Leapfrogger game starring Eugene himself. Whoa, 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 hey, that's vintage! Instead of getting dinner the next time Matt is in town, they decide to listen to an important piece of foreshadowing from earlier in the episode. She-Hulk smash. The next day, Matt does the walk of shame in his full Daredevil costume, sans shoes. Nikki arrives to help get Jen ready for the Southern California Law Awards Gala and gives us a fun Wolverine reference when she pops out and there are three makeup brushes in each hand. Jen breaks the fourth wall to acknowledge how weird it is that the episode isn't over and that it feels like something bad is about to happen. She acknowledges the theories about the Red Hulk who Intelligentsia helped create in the comics and the possibility of getting fridged. For those who don't know, fridging is a term coined by writer Gail Simone referring to when a female character is injured, sexually assaulted, or killed for the sole purpose of moving a male character story forward. The term itself comes from 1994's Green Lantern number 54, where Kyle Rayner came home to find that his girlfriend had been murdered and stuffed into a refrigerator. As a reminder, Green Lantern is a comic about a guy who makes giant green fists out of space magic. Thankfully, in She-Hulk, Jen is still very much at the center of her own story, even though what happens at the gala is reprehensible. At first, Jen believes she's the only person who wins the Female Lawyer of the Year award, but all the nominees are given the prize and asked a very reductive question. What's it like being a female lawyer? Twice the work, half the recognition, and you're constantly being asked what it's like being a female lawyer. 
When it's Jen's turn to answer, the screen is hacked by members of Intelligentsia, who use the stolen copy of Jen's phone to bring up her matcher profile, her matches, and photos of America's ass on her phone. As we mentioned previously, many of these matcher profile matches are people who worked on She-Hulk, like Scott, who is visual effects associate producer Scott McFate. Nick is Nick Hayes, an Atlanta-based DJ who worked on VFX for the show. And Truck is Truck Torrance, the artist 100% soft, who makes the emojis for the Marvel shows, as well as designs for the bootleg Avengers gear. More importantly, Intelligentsia claims that She-Hulk stole her powers from the Hulk, and then proceeds to slut-shame her by airing revenge porn that Josh secretly recorded when they hooked up. The humiliation of the moment sends Jen into a full-on Hulk rage, the framing of it feels inspired by Carrie, as Jen wreaks havoc on the gala, destroying the monitors and sending everyone fleeing from the building. While Jen manages to catch one of the members of Intelligentsia, who were hiding in the back of the auditorium, she is stopped dead in her tracks by a group of damage control agents pointing high-tech weapons in her face. The fact that they were there so quickly makes it feel like Intelligentsia orchestrated their presence as well. It's brutal to watch, especially as she breaks the fourth wall in the final moments of the episode to look directly at the viewing audience. Sadly, it looks like Bruce was right on the money back in episode one. And I'm telling you, when people start seeing you as a monster, that never goes away. With just one episode to go, it seems like Jen will be taking the fight directly to Intelligentsia next week. Although they seemed more on the 4chan end of the spectrum in this week's episode, there's still a chance we'll get a big reveal about who Hulking really is next week. While Todd is certainly a candidate still, we're keeping our fingers crossed for the leader, or another supervillain to make their presence known. Anyway folks, there you have it. That's everything we spotted in the latest She-Hulk. We'll have plenty of other Marvel deep dives for you on Nerdist.com in the meantime. For now, though, tell us, what did you think of the latest episode? Did you spot anything that we missed? It's weird, you guys are still here? Let us know in the comments below, and for the latest and greatest in the world of pop culture, stay tuned to Nerdist.com. 